Lord Jesus, this Thanksgiving Sunday, we do offer up our thanks and praise to you. For Lord, all good gifts, every good gift comes from above. Every good gift. So Lord, as we come and step into this time of receiving from your word, we ask that you would speak to us clearly. Help us hear what you have to speak and say to us this day. Lord, our hearts are open to receive now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to pull out the Bible located in front of you and turn to page 388 because this is going to be the place where we're going to be spending our time, Psalm 16. I'm going to ask you to, if you would, um, if you're physically able to, if you're not, that's okay. But if you're physically able to, would you stand to your feet as we together read the word of the Lord together. We're going to read through Psalm 16. So I'm reading from the NIV version, which is located in the pew in front of you. If you have another version, um, you can read that silently to yourself. But I'd like us to read together Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Together now? Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. You may be seated. A little over a year ago, in the fall of 2011, I was on a prayer retreat with um, Pastor Sam and Pastor Ben, a shepherd's day away. And um, during that particular uh, day prayer retreat, uh, the focus of our reflection in Scripture, one of the Scriptures that we are focusing on is this very Scripture, Psalm 16. Now, Psalm 16 has, for many, many years, been one of my favorite portions of Scripture. But that particular day, um, the Lord really began to um, unpack that Psalm for me and just kind of impart some things into my soul that, that um, have stuck with me. And I, I want to share as sort of a, 
um, sort of the, the uh, scaffolding of the message today around from Psalm 16. And um, as I mentioned to you, and many of you received a, a, an email from me this week, I'm envisioning this message as being one that you partner with me in. In fact, it's part of the reason I wanted you to stand and, and, and share and read the scripture together so that you'd sort of get your voice working, not just singing, but also speaking, because I would like to welcome some testimonies this morning. I've gotten a few by email this week, for which I'm very grateful, um, but I'd love to, to actually hear some brief, you know, two-minute testimonies from folks related to uh, the things that we'll be sharing throughout this morning. And um, one of the things that during Saturate, which was our congregational walk through Scripture, um, I decided, you know, I've been using the NIV for years, but I used the New Living Translation for uh, my Saturate reading just to kind of help me hear freshly the Scriptures. And in Psalm 16, that day on the retreat, I um, was reading through Psalm 16 and meditating on it and reflecting on it, and I got stuck, as sometimes I do. Maybe that happens to you as well. Periodically, you just get stuck um, on a particular phrase. Sometimes it's just a single word, or often for me, it's just two or three words. It's a particular phrase that I can't get away from. And the phrase that I got stuck on is found in Psalm 16, 2, which in the New Living Translation reads this. I said to the Lord... You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. And I simply could not get away from that phrase, every good thing. Every good thing that I have comes from you. The psalmist David is saying, you're my master. You, you are in control. As, as Sarah was uh, praying earlier, you're sovereign over my life. You're the one who holds the keys to everything. I, I fully and completely trust in you because I recognize that every good thing that I have, every good thing comes from you. Hello? Every good thing. So this morning, and, and as I, you know, this is the way your pastor's brain works. You all know me, most of you, and you know that this is, my mind works with alliterations, okay? So, so immediately I began to write down some things of what those every good things are. And here were the things that I wrote down. I wrote down things like security, serenity, satisfaction. Sustenance, salvation, success, shalom. These are the good things that come from him. And so what I'd like to do this morning is take and unpack those. And if you have a particular testimony that might connect into one of these things, I'm going to invite you to just step up and we will have the microphone. If you can't move from where you are, we'll bring the microphone to you. But again, brief two-minute testimonies of these things. But I want to kind of take and give us some context for each one first and then invite you, if you have a testimony, to share it. Okay, first of all, security. How does the psalmist begin the psalm? So stay in the text. Don't, don't lose track of the text. You're going to want to stay in Psalm 16 this morning because we're taking this right out of this psalm. If you go through this psalm, 
here are the things that you will find. First of all, you find security. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. For in you I take refuge. In Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. Now, there's a certain amount of, there's a little bit of a condition there in the sense of our part in this is to entrust ourselves to Him. And when we do, if and when we trust ourselves to Him, He is a refuge to us in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. Now, we live in an enormously security-conscious um, time of uh, you know, world history where everything is about, and in, in, in America, of course, we're always thinking about security, and we find our security, if we're honest with ourselves, we can look for security in many places. Many people look for security in the context of their checkbook, their 401k. They, some people look for security in their gated community. Some look for security in all kinds of different places, in different ways. We can look for security in our job. We look for security in our family. However, the Lord is saying, if every good thing comes from Him, then all of those things are secondary to the every good thing that comes, the refuge that is found in Him. Now, this is not just temporal security. In fact, the psalmist is after something much deeper than than just the security we face on a physical level. Really, John gets at this uh, 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 Jesus gets this as recorded in John chapter 10 when he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. Who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, I don't know about you, but this... Scripture, when I think about this, this gives me enormous amounts of consolation to think that nothing can snatch me out of the hand of Jesus. Anybody else grateful for that? Whatever may come. I love that song. You fail us not. You fail us not. No matter the war. My hope secured. You fail us not. You fail us not. Now, some of you have experienced this security from the Lord. You've experienced His hand on your life in terms of security in profound ways. I know that's true for many of you. In fact, I'm going to ask Pastor Justin um, just briefly to give us a two minute. I know that you've experienced God's refuge in some times of incredible trouble. So I'm going to end, yeah, back from Congo, back back in the day. If we can start to talk, to talk about what God has done in our lives, we can stay here all day. 
But what I can say, we are grateful for us being here. And sometimes people always complain and say that what God didn't do for them, but they don't see, they don't see what God has done in their lives. When we left Congo, we came in this country. I was here with my wife. I didn't know the language. I looked left and right, and I said I didn't have no one. But we found our refuge in Jesus. Yes, we left our country, and like you guys know, until today there is war. Yes, we had responsibilities back home. But into all that, the hand of God was able to protect us and to snatch away our lives through those people who were supposed to persecute us. And we are grateful for that. And I can ask my family to stand up. So guys, my whole family, please stand up and so we can... Thank you. Why I just tell my family to stand up? To show God's blessing. Amen. And that's what we are grateful for. And we were through a lot. And we can't say everything, but we are grateful to God for his protection, his safety, and to keep us alive and safe until today. And we thank God for him. Trust him. Put your hope in him. And you will see amazing things in your life. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's called on Justin because I knew it's always hard for the first person to get up here. So um, the second person will be ready in just a moment. And you can talk about any of these throughout. If I go past the particular one that you want to talk about, it's okay. We can come back to it. I want to talk about serenity for a moment. Again, we live in a culture that is uh, seeking after peace looking for peace in a lot of different places, trying to find that settled place of soul where, where there's that, um, you know, yeah, where, where there is true serenity. And I'm using the word serenity. It's peace, you know, serenity. They're kind of synonyms. But serenity sort of speaks of something even almost feels deeper than peace because sometimes we think of peace more externally. But this is a deep internal serenity that comes Truly only from knowing Jesus. You know, there's the bumper sticker that says, know Jesus, N-O, Jesus, N-O, no peace. Know Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus, K-N-O-W, peace. I think that's true. If there's no Jesus in your life, there will be no peace. There will be no serenity. If there is, if you do know him, there is a peace that the world didn't give you and the world can't take away. I say of the holy people, this is Psalm 16, 3 and 4 now, They are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. Do you ever notice this? Have you ever just observed and reflected on people around you who are running after other gods? Do you see the suffering that happens in their lives? So the psalmist says, I'm not going to pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Whatever that God is, whether it's the God in America of materialism and consumerism, or whether it's, you know, the God of addiction, or whether it's the God of 
uh, violence or whether it's the God of self-actualization or whatever other God there is, none of those gods truly provide actual serenity. In John 14, again, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And just a little bit later in that same portion of Scripture in Psalm 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, cheer up, be courageous, I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I don't know, has anybody here experienced that place of serenity that comes from him, even in the midst, perhaps right in the teeth of trouble and difficulty you've experienced. Karen, come on up. And if you are feeling like you're ready to come up and say something, you can actually make your way up and just sit down here at a given moment, and that way we'll expedite. There we are. Um, Say your name, first of all. I'm Karen Underwood. Uh, Many of you may know that uh, my husband James... Um, on November 14th, um, had a bike accident on his way to work, landed on his head. I I got the call um, at 6.30 in the morning that um, they thought he'd been hit by a car. That was not the case. Um, Paula and Brian Doty were staying with us, and uh, Brian heard the message at the same time that I did, and there was immediate prayer support. And I knew that. And um, on the way to the emergency room, you know, I was kind of getting nervous. The song we had just sung the night before, Norm's song, um, The Lord is a Shield, came to me. And I started singing that. And God gave me peace. And uh, in, the, in the ER, in fact, the nurse was kind of said something about, you seem really calm. And, and I didn't have the wits, unfortunately, to say, that's the peace of Jesus. But I felt surrounded by his peace and his grace throughout the whole time. I I knew people were praying. Um, As it turns out, the whole conference prayed. Um, And, you know, people have called, they've helped. Um, So it kind of goes with the the saints and the Lord uh, in whom is all my delight. God had a family of supporting us. and just the confidence that, that he's in control, that he will use it for good. Um, and I'm, I'm just so thankful for that. Amen. Okay. Amen. Just introduce yourself. Good morning. I'm Phil Watson's dad, and uh, his mother and I are up here for the Thanksgiving holidays. Uh, she, we, we've really loved visiting family, but she was just wiped out and, and uh, uh, stayed home this morning so I can tell a story about her. <laughs> I became a Christian when I was 44. Twice in my life, I thought I was going to lose Phyllis. The first time was immediately after Philip was born. Uh, 
I was uh, in my late 20s, not a Christian. Uh, while Phyllis and I were waiting in the recovery room at the hospital, she suddenly went from being euphoric to white as a sheet. And it, she, it, she was just starting to slip away, I could see. I went and grabbed a nurse and said, you know, you've got to do something. The nurse came in, looked under the blankets on top of Phyllis. There was a pool of blood. And they took her away, basically saying, we'll get back to you when we know what's going on. That next hour was the loneliest hour of my life. I had lost my oldest sister when she was 23, and I thought, not another one, not another one. I would have, if Phyllis had died, I would have been left with a two-year-old and a two-hour-old that I was responsible for. And I just, I just have to say, just thinking back on it, it was the loneliest hour of my life. Nearly 20 years later, when I was a Christian, Phyllis woke up in the middle of the night screaming. She had terrible pain, terrible pain. And she said, this, this is worse than, than any childbirth. We'd had, had uh, five at that, she'd had five at that point. Uh, worse than any of the migraines she'd ever had. And she was just in excruciating pain. And I, but I knew at that point that if something happened to her, I would see her again. That she was going to a far, far better place than the life we live here. And that God would sustain me through whatever would come. Now it turns out it was a kidney stone. And if any of you have had kidney stones, you know how excruciating that can be. I haven't, but I've watched my wife go through a couple of them. But I can tell you the difference that Jesus made in my life in those two situations. Security, serenity, shalom, that you're going to come to. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Beth Van Veldhuizen, and I just want to share about how God has um, taken care of us over the last four or five years. I'm sorry, you guys. But um, Chad, as many of you know, lost his full-time job about five years ago, and he um, it's been a struggle for us, and God has been so faithful, though. I There have been many times where I've been afraid we, you know, have money for food that's been something that has been even at times but he has given me such peace in those times and I'm not saying I'm perfect I'm not saying that I I'm growing though in that area of really being able to trust God for sustenance in everything and it seems like especially the last few months he's provided everything um, through people that aren't even Christians that and that's opening doors for us to really minister and have relationships with those people that live in a million-dollar house that um, I'll say, oh, okay, Sophia needs a new winter coat. My neighbor will come down, oh, um, her daughter's, it's her relatives that are wealthy, and she'll say, oh, Marnie cleaned out Alyssa's closet, and I think she's got some stuff for you, uh, maybe a winter coat, boots, God has provided over and over again, even for my girls, their heart's desires they've been able to have. And it's through God. It isn't because we have all the money to buy these things. It's him providing for them. And the latest story I have um, was I was at the grocery store, and um, 
we didn't have money for all the food I had, which can be very embarrassing. But um, so I had to put food back, and then I tried my check card, and there was no money in our account. So I kind of freaked out because we have bills, we have food we need. And so I'm like, okay, I wasn't very calm then, but I started crying in the store. <laughs> and it was really embarrassing, probably for me and the cashier. But um, so I went home, though, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what, what do we do now? What do you have in, in store for us? Because he has, he will provide. He says that, and he does. So I started remembering that we had received an, um, a check from our mortgage company about four months earlier, and I had no idea where it was. I didn't know we had received it, but they had sent me a letter saying we hadn't cashed it yet. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Ellie, um, my six-year-old, and I were sitting in the dining room, and I said, Ellie, let's pray that um, I can find that check, because I had, actually, I had looked for it and hadn't found it yet. And I'm not kidding. The first thing that I opened, I went to this folder that I'd never thought of, opened it, there was the check, $140, which was enough to get us through till Chad got paid again. And again, we have, we've been behind on our mortgage, but we've never gone into the foreclosure process and all this. And I've been at home with my girls most of the time, and he's providing for that. So even with finances, it's a really hard thing to trust for, but he is faithful. Let's talk a little bit about satisfaction. Psalm 16. This is one that the Lord has been working in my life for, for many years. In fact, this particular scripture is one of my sort of life scriptures that God has been working into me. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Does anybody else in the room struggle with discontentment? Does anybody else have that challenge, or am I the only one? You all are so spiritual. I struggle with discontent. We live in a society, again, that, that militates discontent. In fact, that's the whole marketing system is built around making you discontent. So by gum, you better get out there on Tuesday before Black Friday so you can get that. You know, so you can spend a hundred hours to get a hundred dollars off. You know, spend a dollar an hour. You just made a dollar an hour. Woo! All right. Discontent, but but listen to what he says. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. There is a discipline that we must experience from the Lord, and it's. It's the discipline, C.S. Lewis called it this, preferring the given. If you have an apple, prefer that to the orange that you don't have. And that's a deliberate decision that you and I get to make. Will I choose the boundary lines? Will I choose to recognize that these boundary lines are in pleasant places, that I have a delightful inheritance from the Lord? Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 Jesus says this, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul put it this way in Philippians, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned. Say learned. Say learned. 
Say learned. Learned the secret of being content in every, in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do this through him. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The all this is being satisfied. And we learn it from him. I'm going to read you one and then Peg's going to come. I, I got an email from Alan Button. Alan and Joan are traveling. They're down in Garland, Texas. He says, happy Thanksgiving to you. We had a safe 15-hour drive to Garland, Texas. We plan to be there through December 9th, drive home on December 10th, Lord willing, so we'll be absent from church at BCF this Sunday. Our Lord Jesus has blessed Joan and me through good times and through hard times. During our early married years, we were immature and argued and fought, and the Lord allowed us to go through a divorce and experience loneliness and isolation. Over several years, he removed our bitterness, changed our hearts, made us into new creations, and prepared us to remarry to each other and have a much more peaceful, happy, and Christ-centered marriage together. We've been especially blessed with a growing family that loves the Lord. Our son Daniel and his wife Rosie have served as teaching missionaries for 12 years in Zimbabwe and Uganda, Africa, presented us with two wonderful grandchildren, Abigail and Alex, hosted us twice to visit them, blessed us with delightful big-game photo safaris to see some of God's wonderful wild creatures. Our daughter Sarah and her husband Jonathan bless us with a happy family, two lovely granddaughters, and all love the Lord. A A church... Short-term missions trip to Haiti began a long relationship with people in Haiti and with immigrants to Minnesota from Haiti, including our own adopted daughter, Yolin, and her husband, Albert Eustache. Yolin came when our nest was about to become empty and provided us with 13 years of being mom and dad to her in our home. We see our Lord's hand in all of this and his provision and guidance along the way. The Lord has blessed us in our church. Yolin asked us to join her one Mother's Day, and we've enjoyed our contacts with people from Haiti, Africa, Southeast Asia, Bhutan, and opportunities to share their lives and stories as we spend hours behind the wheel in driving lessons. If you don't know, Alan is our in-house driving instructor to all of our refugee and immigrants. (laughs) We have been invited to share meals and stories and learn about their long years in refugee camps and the blessings of freedom and opportunity here. We have experienced miracles of God's provision along the way. We have learned to be content with God's provision and care for us and not to go striving after lots of things that the world tries to say are important. Praise the Lord for his love and goodness. Alan and Joan. Peg, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Peg McCormick. And um, many of you knew me as Peg Gayton for a long time. And I I want to share within this context um, about God's goodness in reduction and God's goodness in, in reducing and taking away and, and making things smaller for a period of time. Um, many of you know, knew Gil, and he was with us um, until 2010, and the Lord uh, took him home. We had been married nearly 30 years and with five children, and this is the house that we have been in all of our life um, together, uh, raising our children. Um, with Gil's passing, there was um, a loss of many things on many levels. Our, our big six-bedroom, four-bathroom house in Invergrove Heights, all of our, my, my possessions, you know, the things that I owned, raising our kids, the, the stuff of life. Um, I had a, a full-time job in the public schools. I um, Five children, many of them who were still at home, bustling house of nine people in that house and within a year's time we the the house was gone 
95% of everything I own was either given away or passed on to my children. Um, so re there was, I, I left my job in the public schools. Um, the ministry I led was brought to a halt. Everything just came to a screeching halt during this year that felt like flailing or like being suspended in the deep end of a swimming pool, not knowing where my feet were. And God began to rebuild and reshape a life that had been severely reduced. Um, and he, he brought me a new husband. Many of you now have met Brian McCormick. Um, I, I have this tiny little house, but this very sufficient house. I can no longer be the hub for my family. We can't have Thanksgiving and Christmas at my house anymore because there's only three. We can only seat three around our table <laughs> rather than 14. And there's a lot of things that I can't do anymore the way I did. Everything, my possessions are gone or distributed because the Lord reduced my life. But in the reduction, he also reduced, um, you, those of you who know me know that I have often had myself in 10 different places at once. And so this year, this first year of marriage, I have a husband who's very carefully guarded the first 12 months of our life together. And so my life has even been reduced. My activities, the things I say yes to, my commitment level. And I felt like I've been on this short leash with none of my stuff. It's like my life got very small, but in the smallness of this, I've known this incredible protection. And, and when I read in Scripture when Pastor Jim had us speaking that my boundaries have fallen in yes. pleasant places, was that the last comment? Yeah, it was, was the that previous the one. Before? Is it up it there? Up and I'm not seeing it. Okay. My boundaries have is. fallen in pleasant places. It's like... Wow, I have had severe boundaries on my work, my ministry, my material life, my, the walls of my home, and, um, and there's many things that I can't do for my children anymore, even as they're adjusting to this new life, um, having their mother with a new husband in a, in a tiny little house and a, and a new, very, really wonderful husband. I'm, I'm, I cannot help them through this except to live for Jesus in front of them and live upright and, and let them see the fruit of this new life. I, I can do nothing to help them through this except love them and walk upright. So I am praising God for, for the freedom and the satisfaction that can be found in reduction in, in rather than always in expansion and always in more and the next big thing because I don't know what the next big thing is, only that I'm in this tight place that feels constricted but there's actual freedom in in knowing where the boundaries and the parameters are because when God comes to expand again I'll know it's really him and not my human effort and not my own trail of um, earthbound achievement but what God really wants and I'm grateful Amen. next area is sustenance and uh, I'm actually not going to take any testimonies here because we'd be here all day about this but let me just remind you a couple of things Psalm 16 I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The sustenance he brings, not only physical, but he brings us wisdom. He brings us emotional. He brings us relational sustenance in all the areas of our life.
Psalm 65 for. I love Psalm 65, the whole psalm. He says, blessed are those who you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He is the one who is our provider. He is the one who gives us sustenance. And if that is your experience, would you give a shout to the Lord right now? Has he sustained you? Have you found him to be the one who has given you everything that you need? He doesn't always give us everything we want, but everything that we need. Y'all had food this morning. Y'all got here. You're in a warm place. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? All right. Salvation. Can't miss this. This is so good. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Now, this is eternal life, Jesus says in John 17, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And again, Peter says in 1 Peter, though you've not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You know this picture in Luke of the ten lepers. You've heard that scripture. I'd love to preach it this morning, but I'm not going to. But the ten come to Jesus, and they're a mix of Samaritans and Jews, which they're, they're held together by their need, and they cry out to Jesus for salvation. They cry out to him for healing, and he comes, and he heals them. And ten, they all walk away, and one returns. Just one returns to thank Jesus. And in that passage, there are three words that are used of salvation. He is restored physically. He gets restored to the community of faith. And he gets restored in his soul, in his spirit. When Jesus comes to bring salvation, he doesn't only save our bodies. Our our bodies do rest secure because we know in whom we live. But he saves our very mind, our very soul. He restores us completely. This word salvation is enormous. So much more than what we even give it to. And we give it a lot because it's important. It is so precious. Does anybody have a very brief testimony of salvation? Vern? Uh, Come quickly. All right, well, Vern's coming. So that salvation, the word sozo, and go back and look it up in the Greek. Look up that scripture of the ten lepers and look at where it talks about being cleansed, talks about being healed, talks about being saved. All right, Vern, you got two minutes. Bless your heart. I know you got a long story. So Um, sometimes it's hard because the words, I lose what I'm going to say, but all I can say is that a lot of you know me, especially like James and stuff. I've had a really rocky road with my walk, but to speak on salvation, um, just to make it brief and short, at a point in my life I was, I had fallen away or whatever and was out of here, this church for like nine, ten years. Um, through that, through that trip of uh, coming back, there was a lot of perseverance. At the time, I was very, very broken in a state of, the only way I can say it is hopelessness, lost my zeal for life, just all that, as low as you could go, just didn't really care about anything. 
and and yeah, it's all right. And God brought me up out of that hopelessness. So no matter where you're at and what you struggle with, you just look to Him; He'll bring you out of it. If you persevere in that, because I didn't want to live anymore. And he brought me out of that state and brought me up and restored a lot of things in my life. And I'm so blessed. And just to the people here that were support to me, too. There's so many people here that I need to honor and thank you for standing by my side through those times. So praise God. All right. For those of you keeping score at home, we have two last ones. Success. Now, this is an odd one. It sounds, in fact, when I put it up, when, when I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to say it this way, because we've got success so enmeshed with, quote, the American dream and the one with the most toys at the end wins and how we define success. But the psalmist defines success this way. He says, you make known to me the path of life. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, we just said it earlier. I love this. In the, uh, in the baby dedication. Oh, yes, Fiona, are you going to help me? You gotta, do you have a testimony? All right. That's all right. We have lots of grace for Fiona this morning to talk to us. All right. We say this. God has a destiny. We said this this morning over Kinesia. God has a destiny for Kinesia's life. To find that destiny and to live it out fully will mean success. To refuse or ignore it will mean failure no matter how much worldly acclaim may come. This is success. This is success. Does somebody have a a testimony? You coming? All right, Keturah's coming with a testimony of that success. Let me give you another scripture while she comes. Philippians 1, 3-6. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I, I wrote this to you this week in my email. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the success of his carrying out his work, his destiny in our lives. I also want to touch back into security. That was one of the ones, right? Um, for me, growing up, my I came from a family of four, sometimes five kids. We had my god sister too. And um, what was shared earlier by Beth, that in some ways was my growing up experience. We didn't always have enough. Um, things were tight. And so for me, even though God always provided enough, there's a component of me that longs for more security on a um, goods level. Uh, And that's something that has been scary for me and something that I have taken the good things that God's given me in terms of brains and education and the ability to earn things. And sometimes I look to myself for my own security instead of God, even though he provides. And um, my best friend and I, she's been my best friend for I don't know, maybe 14 or 15 years now. Um, She was talking to me once, and she said, you know, it's really strange, Couture. She said, on the one hand, you're super generous, and on the other hand, you clench your fist, and you don't let go of things. And she said, it's just a very odd juxtaposition. 
And um, one of the things that God has been teaching me through our married life, Dave has, um, Dave had a job, and the job was taken away the last five years. He's been doing salt. He does that um, pretty much for free. And that was really scary to me when he lost his job and he didn't have a job, and it's just me and we have a mortgage. And we, we had, um, I'm not sure if I was pregnant quite yet then, but anyway, we had, we had obligations, and so I didn't have that security piece. And God has provided for us. He's given us a house. And um, to us, success is not the stuff side of things. It's been something that I've been learning. Security is not found in, in stuff and in what you can do. But God has provided that. And on the success side of things, Mirabel and I in our house, we do Advent big. I mean, we've got Advent calendars, Advent wreath, and Advent nativity set. We've got all kinds of things that point to Jesus. We don't put presents under our tree. We put nativity sets that are chewable. So Aviana is gnawing on baby Jesus. And, um, you know, yesterday we looked and I said, oh, do you think he's the bread of life? Taste and see that I'm good. You're taking that literally, huh? And Mirabel just started laughing her head off. She thought that was really funny. Um, But success for me is when um, Mirabel looks and and we talk about how do you get to heaven? What's what's the most important thing about Christmas? It's a, it's about Jesus, Mommy. She colored a cross and she put it on our Christmas tree because Christmas is tied to Jesus. Um, when we talk about heaven, we say, okay, well, how do you get to heaven, Mirabel? Well, Mommy, you know, there's there's two ways to get to heaven because I've told her this. And, and I say, okay, well, what are they? She said, well, one way is being perfect. I said, yep, so who's going who's gonna to make it that way? Not me, Mommy. <laughs> I said, that's right. What's the other way, Mirabel? The Jesus way, Mommy. That's the way. And I said, that's right. So which way is which way are you going to go? And to me, that's success. It's not how much trappings we have. If, if the people who are in my family and the people who I touch know the way to get to heaven, the Jesus way, then that's success, much more so than the trappings, much more so than whether people like you or not, much more so than if you feel secure, much more so... Then, I mean, and even here, we're blessed with so much security here, just um, infrastructure-wise, people-wise. Most of the time, I don't think many of us are worrying that somebody's going to shoot us in the back as we walk down the street or that there's going to be an IED that explodes and takes out our family or our cars or our house. We have things pretty easy. We worry about, about things that in the grand scheme of human existence on this planet are not a big deal. But at the end of the day, if what you have isn't successful on an eternal scale, whatever you have here doesn't really matter very much at all. That's the perfect lead into our final one. I'm gonna... Shalom. Shalom. We've all heard the word. It's a very rich word. It's a Hebrew word that means much more than even just the peace. Sometimes, again, we think of as the absence of war. Shalom is not only the absence of conflict, it's the presence of harmony. It's when things come together in our lives in a way that, um, again, only comes through relationship with the one who can give shalom. I love what the psalmist ends Psalm 16 with. He says, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You'll fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If you want true joy, if you want true pleasure, if you want true life, 
The only place that you are going to find that, the only place, is in Him. He's the one. You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. In Revelation chapter 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That is when that shalom will be fully realized. There will be no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. Yes, on this side of earth, on this side of the veil, we do. And yet we know we're looking towards a shalom. And we experience glimpses of it. And it gives us a hunger for a gaze. And we gaze at it and we long for more. We long to live in that place, in the dwelling place of the Lord. I've often prayed in this house... And you know, I have said this before, I don't only ask for a visitation from God here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. I want us to be a habitation, a place where He comes and dwells with His people and gives us the very things we've heard you testify about this morning. Thank you for all of you who have come and shared this morning. Thank you to those of you who have shared and opened your hearts and given testimony of the every good thing of the Lord. I know that there are many more that could testify this morning. But we're going to make a corporate declaration as we close this morning with this great hymn that you all know. And we're going to sing it together. Could we stand together? How great thou art. Give Him thanks from your own heart this morning. Every good thing comes from you, Lord. Every good thing. Thank you for all of the good things you have given. Now if you just open your hand for the benediction. And now I pray that you may be filled afresh this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father. With the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son. with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours. Sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor and goodness over your life. And until we meet again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that you will be filled with eternal pleasures at His right hand and that His love and mercy will chase you down. Go in His goodness this day. In Jesus' precious name, be encouraged. Be strengthened. Every good thing comes from Him. In His name, amen.